This morning, I am going to talk about something that's a, it's a pretty emotional topic. And, um, you know, we live in an area uh, where they talk a lot about worthiness. You know, are you worthy? And so-and-so is worthy, and so-and-so is not worthy. Did you know that Jesus actually talked about worthiness too? And he said that there is something that will prevent us from being worthy. Is this a new one for you? Jesus says in Matthew 10, 37, anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. This morning, the topic that I'm going to be discussing with you is one of those topics that requires us losing our lives and losing our rights and losing our what we feel is a sense of justice. And I know that Kenny talked about it while we were away at ladies' retreat, so maybe this is just for the ladies that were at the ladies' retreat because everybody else probably has it all down. But I am going to be talking about forgiveness. And bitterness can really distort our personalities. And I think, you know, Jesus talks about forgiveness almost more than anything else. And this morning I'm going to be discussing um, One of the most significant ways that we can lose our lives through forgiving in the parable of what is called the unforgiving servant. Sometimes it's called the unmerciful servant. So if you could turn in your little smartphone Bible apps, you all have those, right? Yes? If you don't have one on your phone, you should have a paper one, (laughs) if I could suggest that to you. Matthew, chapter 18 starting at verse 21. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I did not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Now when Peter came to him, if you understand the context, the rabbis at that time and the the religious leaders were teaching them that you only had to forgive somebody three times and then you were done. So for Peter to say seven is kind of radical. Peter's thinking, wow, I'm, I'm pretty holy here because I'm, I'm willing to forgive twice as many plus one. And you know that in the Bible, anytime the number seven is mentioned, that's the number of completion. So Peter's probably thinking, If somebody sins against me seven times, and I forgive them seven times, I'm done. I'm complete, right? And then Jesus, in classic Jesus form, says, I did not say to you seven times, but 77 times. And some versions say 77 times seven. So Peter Peter was being pretty radical, according to their time. But then Jesus went on to say in verse 23, therefore, the kingdom of heaven. Now, anytime the Bible talks about the kingdom of heaven, what this is indicating is 
where God reigns through the person of Jesus Christ. So when Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is at hand, he's talking about himself. And anytime the Bible talks about the kingdom of heaven, it's talking about the reign of God through the person of Jesus Christ. So therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and the payment be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. Out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, saying exactly the same thing. Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused, and he went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. And when his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. Wouldn't you be greatly distressed? Like, man, this guy's a jerk. (laughs) And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, the master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debts. So, also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Okay, now I want to give you a little context here because we don't understand talents and denarii and all of that. But servant number one, he owed 10,000 talents. Who knows what a talent is worth? A talent is worth 20 years wage. Okay? So a talent is not just like, oh, it's, you know, a couple bucks. A talent is 20, excuse me, 20 years wages. That is a significant amount of money. Okay? I did some research, and math is not my thing, so please, if if I mess up with my mathematical calculations, please don't correct me, okay? I had enough of that growing up, okay? <laughs> okay, servant number one owed 10,000 talents. 10,000 talents. So, according to studies, the one year's wage, an average wage in the United States is $54,000. So, in Draper, I think it's higher and maybe for some of you it's not 54, but that's like the median income. So 54,000 times 20 years wages is how much? Yes. Does it say it up there? Wow, you just figured that out in your head? We have a savant in the audience. Thank you. <laughs> so it's $1,080,000. Okay? That's one talent. Okay? 
So 10,000 talents is 10 billion, 800 million. 10 billion, billion, 800 million. How many of you think you could pay that back? And this servant knew that he couldn't possibly pay that back, but he cried out for mercy. And in this particular parable, debt is akin to sin, to wrongdoing. And you notice that this servant didn't come to God or didn't come to his master to say, hey, I want to make things right. The master had to call him in and say, I want to settle this. I want to settle this account. Okay, so contrast this with servant number two. He owed how much? A hundred denarii. Anybody know what a denarius is worth? One day's wage. One day. Okay, again, I looked it up, and the average daily wage. Now, this, I don't know how they came up with this because it's not based on 54000 a year, but and don't correct me. Okay, thank you. <laughs> the average daily wage in the United States is $70,000, or 70, $70, okay? So he owes 100, so one day's wage, which is 70 times 100, is $7,000. That's still a pretty significant amount, right? But compared to 10 billion, 800 million, that's, that's nothing. So if you take... 10,800,000,000 minus 7,000, you come up with, everyone, 10,799,993,000. That's the difference between what these two servants owed. So do the math. Do you think that it was fair for servant number two to go, hey, give me what you owe me? based on everything he was forgiven? How many of you think that that is a fair thing for him to do? No, I don't think so. And so, what does it look like to forgive? This king is giving us the example. This king is symbolic of our king and Lord, and the one who owns everything. And he is telling us, there is no possible way we can ever, ever, ever pay back the debt that we owe with our good works. See, this is about the grace of God. This is about how when Jesus Christ went to the cross and forgave us for everything, past, present, and future, Okay, think about the worst possible thing that you could ever do or that you've done in your life. So that's just one debt. Think about how many times you continue to do that same thing, whether it's a thought or whether it's using your words or, you know, whether it's the way that you act. Say every single one of those things is a debt. And think about how ludicrous it is for us to even believe that we could outweigh all of the bad that we've done with our good works. You know, our righteousness is as filthy rags. That's what the Bible says, which is 
again, used menstrual cloths. That's the direct translation of that. That's as good as we can be in our righteousness apart from Christ. So, so forgiveness looks pretty radical in this parable, doesn't it? It's pretty radical that this king would forgive almost $11 billion, and then this other servant would come and say, come on, you owe me this money. I mean, you, I, I heard, I've heard a lot of different uh, uh, interpretations of what the, the amount of money is. That's not really the point. The point really is it's an exorbitant amount of money compared to what the other guy owes. And in the same way, we have been forgiven an exorbitant amount of sin. At least I have. I can speak for myself. You know, when I think of the grace of God and I think of everything that I have been forgiven, it's why I... It's why I marvel. And you know, sometimes I really believe that it it takes faith to even believe that we've been forgiven. You know, when people say, well, I can't forgive myself. Well, if you think about that, if the God of the universe who created you and who is fully right and fully just and fully holy, if he can forgive you, then you can forgive yourself. And, and I, I don't want to sound judgmental or harsh, but to think that you know better than God is really not a good idea. It's really prideful to think, well, God can forgive me, but I just can't forgive myself. Really? Don't put yourself above God. And if God knows everything you've done, and yet he continues to pour out his grace, then we can forgive ourselves. So why should we forgive? Matthew 18.33 says, And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? You know, mercy just simply means not getting what you deserve. So, so the servant number one, he really did deserve to go to jail for the rest of his life because there's no possible way he could ever, 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 ever repay $11 billion, ever. So this, this whole parable, this is actually the longest parable that, that Jesus ever used. And it's a picture not only of how much we have been forgiven, every thought, every word, every deed, every action, all of it, past, present, future, but it's also a picture of how much we should forgive others, how much we should be merciful to others. And if we believe by faith that we have been completely forgiven for everything, then we should be able to extend that same grace to other people. You know, we allow ourselves and others through unforgiveness, through bitterness, to be jailed. You know, it, it keeps us captive. Bitterness keeps us captive. And as you could see with Dwight, it can tend to really poison your whole personality. 
it can really mess up your whole motives. It can mess up your thought life. It, it obviously, you know, bitterness breaks up marriages, breaks up friendships, breaks up churches and companies, families. Bitterness does that. Unforgiveness comes in, uh, in many different forms as well. You know, it comes in rejection. This one's a little close to home for me just because even just yesterday, um, as I was preparing this message, a thought came to my mind of, of a particular person that I've really tried to reach out to and really tried to open my heart to and, you know, extend my love to. And this person has just really kind of held me at bay, kind of just cut me out. And it's not anybody that I was with yesterday, so don't think that. It's not you guys. (laughs) Um, But I just, you know, I was just sitting there thinking about this, and all of a sudden it was like this thing rose up in me like, you know what? I'm done. If he's not going to open up his heart to me and he's not going to be nice to me, I mean, he's another believer. So it's not like, you know, somebody that's in the world that doesn't know the Lord. This is a person who is a believer. And I just was, you know, this thing in me was just like kind of self-justified. I don't need to, I don't need to keep being nice to him anymore. I'm just going to, I'm just going to ignore him. (laughs) And I'm like, oh yeah, right. What am I talking about tomorrow? So convicting. (laughs) Because I can tell you honestly, and I'm being completely vulnerable here, I have been delivered from unforgiveness. I used to be absolutely racked with bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness. I was so poisoned by it. You know, I, could, I came by it honestly, too, because I had seen it modeled, and I could, I could just tell you every wrong every single person had done to me ever And I remembered them. And I felt pretty justified. And you know, servant number two in this parable, the other guy, the servant number two, he does owe servant number one money. So to me, that's so evident that there is significance that whenever we are in relationship with people, they are going to hurt us. They are going to offend us. They are going to reject us. Right? People are going to hurt other people whenever we're in relationship together. And unforgiveness can show up in the, in the way that I just described, you know, just like, forget it. Who needs him? I don't, I don't care. Not really true. But that's what we tell ourselves. I don't care if he doesn't like me. I don't care. He can be cold to me, whatever. It also shows up in isolating ourselves from other people against whom we have bitterness. You know what? I am going nowhere near that person, right? That, that's also unforgiveness. It shows up in rage. When that person's name comes up, there's something in you that, <clears throat> right? There's that thing that just kind of rises up in you when you hear the mention of their name. 
and you just get ticked off. Or disdain for that person, the little comments you make about that person. Oh, that guy's whatever. This is all unforgiveness against others. And when I say that I have been delivered, it was not an easy thing. It was not just this instantaneous thing. It was a a long process. And today I'm going to talk to you about that process for you, how you can get delivered, how you can get set free from unforgiveness. You know, it's interesting to me. Every time I typed the word unforgiveness, it came up as a misspelled word, as though it didn't even exist. Isn't that strange? I've always found that really odd. You know, when we don't forgive, we open ourselves up to the devil's schemes. Open up your Bible app or your paper Bible. I don't hear many pages rustling. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, When you forgive this man, I forgive him too. And when I forgive whatever needs to be forgiven, I do so with Christ's authority for your benefit, so that Satan will not outsmart us, for we are familiar with his evil schemes. This is in the context of forgiveness. I believe that Bitterness and that self-righteousness and self-justification is the way that the enemy holds us captive. And it's a way that we hold on to our lives and our rights. And going back to what I said initially, that when we do that, we're not worthy of Jesus. And that's why he is so emphatic about the fact that he wants us to be delivered from this. He wants us to have a clear conscience and to have a clean slate with every single person and that every person with whom we come in contact, we can be open-spirited and open-hearted without having our arms crossed and being angry at them. Going back again, I'm going to read that one more time. 2 Corinthians 10, 10 and 11. This is a really good passage to memorize. I won't go into the whole context. You can read it for yourself about what, what the situation was. But it says, when you forgive this man, and he needed forgiveness, trust me, I forgive him too. And when I forgive whatever needs to be forgiven, implying that there has been sin, there has been wrongdoing, I do so with what? Christ's authority for your benefit so that Satan will not outsmart us for we are familiar with his evil schemes. Some versions say we are not unaware of his evil schemes. You know, really pride is at the root of unforgiveness. When we, when we believe that whatever it is that someone else has done to us is far worse than the sum total of everything we've ever done or ever will do, that's, that's a pretty prideful thing, right? Doesn't, do, you, do you understand what I'm saying? No? Pride is at the root of it. Pride is at the root of a lot of sins. But when we really believe that we have rights, 
We don't believe that we need to forgive someone else. But again, whenever we are in relationship with other human beings, there will be sin. It's just, it's, it's human nature. We, we all sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. There's only one who is perfect. Bitterness changes our perspective. We cannot see people as they really are through God's eyes if we haven't forgiven them. It distorts the way we see other people. And it makes it impossible to sincerely love, which is really what what we're called to do. It's the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And incidentally, I was just talking to my daughter about this yesterday. You know, people say, oh, I just hate myself. No, you don't. The Bible says no one ever hated himself. That's what the Bible says. No one ever hated himself. Again, we use the example, I think it was Tozer, A.W. Tozer says, you know, you say, oh, I'm so ugly, I hate myself, I'm so ugly. Well, if you really hated yourself, you'd be glad that you were ugly because you hate yourself, so you don't want something good, right? You'd be like, yay, I hate myself and I'm ugly, woo! <laughs> but no one ever hated himself, right? We, we, want, we want our rights, we think we deserve, I deserve this. But it changes our perspective when someone else sins against us. And I can tell you this. When I was completely consumed by bitterness before the Lord set me free, and I can tell you the Lord has set me free. So I want to give you hope that if if you're feeling like the Lord is really convicting you this morning, you can be delivered from this. You can be set free, even if it's generational, even if it's something that was modeled in your home even if it's all you've ever known, even if you've walked in this path for years, you can be delivered from bitterness. You can be set free from resentment and unforgiveness. And I have to say also, you can't do it in your own flesh. I mean, truly, you can't. Your your flesh cannot bring you any deliverance. It's only the word of God and the spirit of the Lord that can give us the ability to forgive and to release people so that we can truly love them. I'm going to read you a story. I apologize for reading it. I wish I could memorize it, but um, how many of you have ever heard of Corey Ten Boom? Corey Ten Boom was a woman who was from Holland, and she talks like this, eh? That's how my relatives talk, yeah? She... She was a woman, and her family used to hide Jews in their home during the war. And she ended up going to a concentration camp, Ravensbrück. And she tells a story about one night after the war, she was going around speaking, and she went and spoke at a church. And a man came up to her, and she recognized him as a guard who had been at the concentration camp. I'm going to try to get through this without crying. So here's the story. Now he was in front of me with his hand thrust out. Fine message, Fräulein. How good it is to know that, as you say, all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. And I, who had spoken so glibly of forgiveness, 
fumbled in my pocketbook rather than take his hand. He wouldn't remember me, of course. How could he remember one prisoner among those thousands of women? But I remembered him and the leather crop swinging from his belt. I was face to face with one of my captors, and my blood seemed to freeze. He said, you mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk. I was a guard there. No, he did not remember me. He went on, but since that time, I have become a Christian, and I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there. But I would like to hear it from your lips as well, Fraulein. And again, his hand came out. Will you please forgive me? I stood there. I, whose sins had again and again had to be forgiven. I could not forgive. My sister Betsy had died in that place. Actually, Betsy was literally raped to death in that place as her sister watched. Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow and terrible death simply for the asking? It could not have been many seconds that he stood there with his hand held out. But to me, it seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I ever had to do. For I had to do it. I knew that. The message that God forgives has a prior condition. That we forgive those who have injured us. Jesus says, if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. I knew it not only as a commandment of God, but as a daily experience For since the end of the war, I had a home in Holland for victims of Nazi brutality. Those who were able to forgive their former enemies were able also to return to the outside world and rebuild their lives, no matter what their physical scars. However, those who nursed their bitterness remained invalids. It was as simple and as horrible as that. And I stood still with the coldness clutching my heart. But I know forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that. Forgiveness is an act of the will. And the will can function regardless of the temperature of our heart. Help, I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that. Lord, you supply the feeling. And so woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one who stretched it out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder and raced down my arm, and it sprang into our joined hands. And then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all of my heart. And for a long moment, he grasped my hand, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never, 
ever known God's love as intensely as I did right then. So how can we forgive from the heart? It's not easy to forgive. But as this example shows us, it is possible. It is possible to let go of our feelings of, of justification in it and, and bitterness against others. Again, we cannot forgive in our flesh. Just as Corey said, she, she couldn't do it on her own, but she took a step of faith. And that's really what forgiveness is about. It is about taking a step of faith and saying, Lord, I forgive, whether you feel like it or not, because you won't feel like it in most cases. I'm going to give you just, it's, it seems simplistic, but it is a model for how to forgive, as Jesus said, from the heart. Remember, he said you have to forgive your brother from the heart the heart. So it starts with our emotions. It starts in our soul. Letter A, realize that there has been sin against you. Don't make excuses or dismiss the pain. You know, Corey Ten Boom didn't make any excuses for what the guard had done. She just realized there was a need to forgive. B, Name them individually before the Lord. Bring their name before the Lord. And say, Lord, I forgive so-and-so. Don't say, help me to forgive so-and-so. Say, I forgive. Make a choice, an act of your will to choose to trust God for the ability to forgive. Name them before the Lord and then see, open up your heart to fully know what you are forgiving them for. Name these offenses. Name them before the Lord. Say, Lord, I forgive so-and-so for whatever they did. Name it so that you truly understand what it is that you're forgiving because to forgive means to give over, to hand over, to forgive the right, to, to hold on to that against them anymore. And then D, let yourself feel the emotion, the emotions which are brought out in acknowledging the hurt and the offense. Allow yourself to feel it. Don't just, do, don't just make a, a cerebral, dis, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Don't make a cerebral decision to forgive without allowing your emotions into it. Because Jesus says, if it's from the heart, there must be something involved and something attached to our emotions. Let yourself feel the emotions which are brought out in acknowledging the hurt and the offense. And E, release them to the Lord. Truly release them to the Lord. Eric and I make a practice of doing this on a regular basis. When we sense that perhaps some offense or some hurt has come up, we will do this together and, and say, Lord, I forgive so-and-so for what they did to me because it made me feel like 
this and this and this. And, you know, we, we actually, if, if there are deep, deep, deep issues that you're really struggling through, talk to your community group leader or talk to somebody else and say, I, I, can't, I can't get through this on my own. I can't do this on my own. Be with someone who can be objective and who can walk with you through this and can lead you through the painful process. Because sometimes it is very, very painful to let go and to let yourself feel those emotions. But I truly believe that in order to really forgive, we have to let the Holy Spirit into our heart and into our soul and into our emotions before we can really release another person. And letter F, repeat as necessary. Because it will be necessary. It, I mean, unless you go to solitary confinement. Other than that, you are going to have to forgive people. And I don't mean in any way to diminish the hurt and what people have done. Because again, the example of Corey Tenboom, I mean, how many of us could do what she did and just release this guard and truly allow the Holy Spirit into that situation. And so whatever your situation happens to be, I just want to invite you to let the Holy Spirit come in and give you the supernatural ability to forgive from the heart. And I know that there are going to be varying levels of hurt and pain but remember even a mild irritation even the mention of their name that causes you to tense up or that feeling of rage or just an annoyance with them in general that's all unforgiveness take it to the Lord and give it to him and receive by faith that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. He died for you, for everything, everything, everything. And so because of that, because he forgave us 10 billion, 800 million deaths, it's probably way more than that, so that we can forgive others. He has given us that opportunity. So if you feel so inclined, you know, I, I welcome you to come up here as a sign between you and the Lord, between you and your maker, that you want to let go, that you want to forgive. I invite you to just come up and kneel before the Lord. This is between you and the Lord. But I also, I, I want to say that we want to offer the opportunity for you to receive prayer. So if there are a couple people you want to come on up and pray for people, a couple of the leaders that will pray. If you need somebody to pray with you, just to acknowledge with you and agree with you. So let's just bow now. And again, I just invite you to come up and kneel before the Lord if this is something you want to make a statement. 
Heavenly Father, we come before you now, Lord, and we are so grateful for your word. Lord, we thank you for the Bible. We thank you that you have given us everything we need for life and godliness. Lord, we thank you that even though people have sinned against us, Lord, you have forgiven us everything we've ever done or ever will do. And in light of that, Lord, we thank you that you have given us a way to forgive and to be set free and to be delivered from bitterness, to be delivered from unforgiveness and resentment. And so, Lord, right now we confess to you, God, we have been like that servant number two. Lord, we have held things against others. Lord, we just confess that to you, God, and we ask for the supernatural ability to release people as we make that decision, God, as we, as we choose to obey you, as we choose to make that choice in our will to forgive out of obedience for you, Lord. God, we confess to you that we have not really believed either that we need to be forgiven for so many things or that we actually have And Lord, we ask for your forgiveness, Lord. Give us the faith, Lord, to recognize how much we've been forgiven. And in light of that, Lord, to turn around and and to be able to forgive others. If there's anybody here, if you have not ever received the forgiveness that Jesus Christ offers on the cross, I just encourage you to talk to someone maybe the person who brought you or somebody that's up front here and just tell them, say, I I don't think I've ever really been forgiven and ask them to pray with you. And so, Lord, we do, we come before you now again and thank you for the cross. Lord, we thank you that you poured out your blood for the forgiveness of sins so that we could stand before you, Lord, holy and blameless in your sight. And we praise you, Lord, and we bless you, and we thank you for your forgiveness. And Lord, we we extend it. We extend that forgiveness to others, and we celebrate, Lord, your ways. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Well, this week as you're going about your week if it comes up in your heart just forgive from the heart make it conscious choice to do it and watch the Lord deliver you amen God bless you all see you next Sunday